welcome to another episode of FTU Life After the Military. This is uh, Tony Rodriguez. I'm your host. Um, that was uh, my new intro music. We'll see how long that lasts before I get a cease and desist letter. Um, but I had so many recommendations about changing out that theme music that we'll see how this goes. Uh, today I'm joined by my friend, my long-lost son, That's Austin. Me. Hello, hello. And uh, Austin's going to tell us a little bit, little bit about his uh, transition out of the military, um, what he did to prepare, and any hiccups he might have encountered along the way. And of course, we always like to touch a little bit on mental health. And as always, we're going to end the show with shout outs to some sort of animal other than human. <laughs> so Austin, with that... Um, yeah. It's on you, buddy. So um, I was in the military for nine, nine-ish years. I did my 82nd, 173rd, and then I uh, ended up getting uh, over in uh, CA for a little bit as their uh, logistics guy. So I... I had a very int- interesting struggle. I was a UAV operator for six years or so. And then um, I actually was having a real hard time mentally. Um, family was falling apart. 173rd time was rough. I was young, bad, 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 bad husband. And I just felt like the world was falling. So I... It was at that point that I decided, you know, 20, 20 years is a long, long military time. So I knew I, I had to do get out. I had to do something else. I was just, I just felt like I was taking up a slot for someone better that could just, you know, come in and continue. So went to behavioral health. They put me on some medication, depression, all kinds of other stuff. And um, yeah, that initiated a reclass. So I got needs of the army reclass, which just pushed my urge to get out more. So it was around that time that I started taking advantage of the tuition assistance that the military gives you. So it's, I don't know if it's changed, but it's 16 college credits every fiscal year. And that equates to about four four to five classes, depending on where you're going. So in my mind, I figured, so I sell my GI benefits, the GI bill changed all over the place. So I wasn't going to be able to give that to anybody. I was going to keep that. But if I managed my time wisely, did my 16 credits every year, knock that out. By the time I got out at my, I I think I was supposed to get out a little over my 10 or 11 year mark, I would have a bachelor's degree and then I can use my GI bill for either a master's, another bachelor's, what, whatever I want. So start doing that, start chipping away. Um, my wife, she was also military. She used her GI bill also and got her a nursing degree. And it wasn't until man, I would say about a year, a year or so before my ETS date, 
where I was like, okay, need to focus on medical stuff. My medical, I'm hurt. All this stuff, you know, I got a bad back. I was airborne the whole time. My knees hurt. I'm, uh, my memory is pretty bad. My head's all messed up. I should um, start chasing these things down because, you know, you always hear, make sure your medical records are good. Medical records, before you get out, the VA won't treat anything unless it's on your medical records. So I started chasing uh, chasing that down, and there was one one lady. This was about the beginning of COVID, and I had a phone appointment, and her name was Emily Brooks, and she was she was the PA. I think she was PA, um, who just like changed my life. I was sitting here. I was, I wanted MRIs. I wanted this, I wanted that. I just wanted to know like on paper, what was wrong. And she said, listen, it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. We can't do anything. It's quality of living at this point. Um, I highly recommend that you med board. And I said, I, I have no idea how to do that. I was in the 82nd, 173rd. If you went to sick hall, you were the worst person ever. Especially if you're an NCO. If you're an NCO and went to sick hall, you might as well go to the ops room. That's where you're staying for the rest of your career. Well, she said, all you have to do is tell me you want a med board and we can start the process. And I was like, is that easy? Yep, no problem. So um, that started. And after that point, everything's been uh, kind of kind of smooth. I I went through the whole SFL tap process. There it was an okay program, but you get what you you get what you put into it. So I mean yeah, I I got out. Everything went fairly well continued going to school. Um, and it wasn't until about a month or two after, after I started terminal leave where I, I noticed that the, uh, what the honeymoon period of being free was over. Financially, we were okay. Um, the med board, you know, they, they handle VA and they take care of all that stuff for you. My wife, she's working. Um, I got a stipend and that paid pretty much all everything. Uh, we're almost debt free. And it was, it was almost empty because I, I started self-reflecting and noticed that I made the army my family and I made my family uh, like um, I guess the best way to put it would to be like a resource so I had my kids I had my wife um, they, 
I, I tried to do everything almost like the, the classic American family. So if I, if I had a wife, if I had two kids, one boy and one girl, um, good job, low bills that I would be happy. And I just wasn't like something, something was missing. And whenever I looked back, my relationship with my family wasn't a genuine quality relationship. I was married to my wife for seven years at that point, but I didn't know her. We got married and kind of survived as roommates for the sake of the kids. And it, I, once I started peeling the layers back and realizing that I'm not as great as I thought I was. I'm my family. Isn't the problem. Work isn't the problem. I'm the problem. And it just, I went down this long journey of uh, self-discovery. I've talked to therapists. I peeled back the layers with, um, you know, my upbringing and stuff like that. And one of my breaking points was actually my son. So I have dis- dissociative disorder or something like that. But essentially it's it's like uh, I'm really good at putting things in a box in my head and leaving them. So like when I was deployed, I spent a couple months in Iraq in the beginning of inherent resolve. And, you know, I really don't remember any of it. So my time in Italy, I remember key aspects of things, but I really don't remember any of it. My form of dealing with things that are upsetting or dealing with things that are going wrong instead of running or fighting, I just, absorb it and move it to the side. And I noticed when I was, I don't even think I was yelling at my son. He, he did some stupid kid thing and I overreacted and he just froze. He's, he's seven and he just froze and just like, didn't take anything in. And I realized that he's doing the same exact thing that I've done for 29 years and if I don't break the cycle right now, that my my kids are going to follow. My mom has problems. My grandma had problems. And it, it just goes down the line. And instead of blaming what, you know, I did all this in the army. I, I'm, uh, I deserve to be messed up. I deserve to act this way because... The world owes me. The world doesn't owe me nothing. I chose that job. I got a lot of good benefits out of it. My family is better off than most at my age. I've had great opportunities. I have free education. It really... It was bad in the moment. But... 
it may not be my fault that I have these issues, but it's my responsibility as a adult to handle them and not push them on someone else. So, and that is when my life started turning around. I, I separate my life into about three, three different like sections in 2014. I had, uh, an airborne operation that knocked me out pretty good. One of those, uh, 80 second fun jumps on Sunday that, that thing wrecked me. Um, I was asleep for a little bit when I hit the ground, woke up being drug, migraines all day, just terrible. Looking back, I obviously had the TBI, but there was a, the narrative being pushed at the time that, oh, you know, if you have so many TBIs on record, they're going to take your job from you or... Um, just toughen up. You're fine. You're awake. You're alive. It's, it's nothing. Um, and I feel like that moment in time, something in my head changed. I was, I was okay before that. And then after that, I just, I was always angry, always angry. And I would go to work and I would put on this face of, yeah, I'm fine. I'll do what I'm told. You know, army comes first. I, Army, army comes first. I'm doing my job, blah, blah, blah. And then I would come home. And if nothing, if everything wasn't the exact same way that I wanted it done the exact same way, my family caught the brunt of it. And if I didn't choose to get out at the time that I did, I know my family wouldn't have stayed. So it's, it was a really hard mentality of looking inside and figuring out that my, I was the issue. I owe my family for what they went through. And essentially I consider myself in my redemption arc. If this was like a comic book. So um, after that, I've, just use the GI bill. I go to school online and um, I'm actually enrolled in two colleges. I started a general contracting program uh, at a community college, you know, to help get me out, be a little more uh, social. And I've just really tried to start giving back to giving back and showing everyone that, I appreciate them. And that's been the hardest part. But yeah, that's uh, pretty much my story. I've, uh, I've seen examples on both ends. I had a, um, my grandfather, he retired, Sergeant Major, always been the greatest influence in my life. He got out, then turned around, retired from another government job, always happy. He was, he's mid seventies right now. And he's still kicking, always been running, staying fit. And, um, yeah, my grandma's never had to work a day in her life because of him. And, um, he's, 
just a different generation of human. He's just a good, great uh, grandfather. And then on the flip side of things, I had a stepdad, 20 years, Cav Scout, retired as an E6, multiple deployments during the whole uh, beginning of Iraq and just nothing. Like every time he goes to the doctor, they give him a timeline of how how much longer he's got to live, how much longer he's got to live just from being destroyed. No college education. Um, he always tells a story about how he lied about having a GED to get into the army and he had to go to, uh, what do you call it? Uh, night classes and basic training. Um, yeah. So if you, it is incredibly important to be honest with yourself if there's any sort of key takeaway from all my rambling, it's just no one cares about you the way you do. And if you really want to get better, you have to be prepared to do work. So, yeah, no, uh, that's not very many people would be willing to come out and say what you did, Austin. There aren't very many people who would be willing to put in the work uh, you know, in the military, like we were discussing earlier, you, you know, it's easier to put on that, that mask. Like I'm, I'm good. I'm good to go than to actually seek help. I was having a conversation with a friend this week and we were both in Iraq. Consider this person a leader, somebody I've listened to, I'd followed, whatever. Everybody always says, I trust them with my life. What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. I've trusted my life to imbeciles. People I just downright yeah. hated. This doesn't mean anything. We had an agreement. Look, you do your job and I'll do my job so we can both go home. Doesn't mean I like you. Doesn't sure how doesn't mean I trust you. I I try to explain to people how do I trust them? I trust this person with the lives of my children. Yeah. That's when I can say, like, I, I trust that person. And I trust I would trust her with the lives of my children. And we were having a discussion about PTSD and she was telling me it's like, yeah, well, you actually went through some stuff. It's like we discussed this earlier. It's like we all have PTSD, all of us. If you went to Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, you have PTSD. Mm-hmm. It might affect you in a different way, but it's not natural to have mortars launched at you, rockets, to be on a convoy and worry, is this the day that the ID gets me? Is that one 17-year-old who's trying out for Joe Samadhi or Hezbollah, <laughs> ISIS, wh- whoever? Is, is this the day that he succeed, su- succeeds and takes me out and now he's a full-fledged member? Being stressed out like that for that long takes a toll. It doesn't mean that we're broken. If something's broken, that's it. You give up on it and it can't be fixed. It's done. Mm-hmm. We're not broken. We just need to put in a little work to better ourselves, better our quality of lives, and help out our friends or our family. Uh, for those few people who are listening to this podcast, if you haven't listened to the third episode on mental health, I want to put out there, yes, I'm fine. <laughs> okay. I, I laugh at that because if you hear about it, it goes discusses about my issues with mental health. I needed people to check on me 14 years ago. That would have been great. Mm-hmm. But I was in the army and we don't do that. Right. Yeah. Well, that's part of the point of this podcast is 
you know somebody who needs help. We all do. We all know somebody who, who's out there who's struggling um, emotionally, physically, mentally, financially. Even if it's just you calling and say, hey, bud, are you okay? For those of you that don't know, um, in 20, 2021, I was uh, I decided, that's it, man. I'm out. I'm going to retire. And then two days later, my sergeant major comes out and he says, hey, I got you a position as a first sergeant. So I was pretty excited. I was like, yeah, I was cheering, cheering. And he said, hey, you're going back to the Ocho. I was like, no, <laughs> that was like my worst nightmare, right? The worst thing that could have happened is be sent back there. I felt like I had was paroled out of prison or from maximum security and I was sent down to minimum security. And then the warden comes back and says, hey, uh, we made a mistake. We're sending you back to maximum <laughs> security. You're going back to San Quentin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I get there. And then I meet the new company commander. It's like, oh, well, this could be all right because this guy seems okay. He's not good, but he's not bad, right? And for me, I'll take it Um, because he let me be me. Mm -hmm. And he's probably one of the better commanders I worked with in my career. Um, And then I met the people in the company. So I met you and I met your two brothers. It's like, all right, this is okay. I got to meet the battalion commanders like this guy. I've been waiting 21 years for this guy. Yeah. Then I knew the sergeant major is like, well, I mean, nothing could be 100% perfect, right? <laughs> but then like, you know, like you go on a diet or, you know, you have like a tumor and you cut that tumor off. He was gone. <laughs> and the new sergeant major came in. It's like, man, life is not, you know, Lucas was there. El Santo. Yeah. I miss that guy. <laughs> but I knew at that time, it's like, my army career is not going to get better than this. I need to leave on a high note. So that's when I decided to retire. Part of the reason why I bring that up is because when I was getting out, transitioning out, I lost contact with a lot of people. I try to at least send text messages to the people I cared about to let them know, like, hey, man, I'm thinking about you. Or, Are you still alive? Are you still Okay. Uh, But part of this podcast is the reason why I wanted to come out here was because I wanted to see you. You know, I'd like to say that this is wholeheartedly me just caring about people and, you know, going out and helping people, which that is a large part of it. But some of it's a little selfish. And I want to see people I haven't seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. I miss you guys and I want to see you. For those of you that don't know, I am very, very uncoordinated. All right. Klutz. I have no skill whatsoever. Trying to play the guitar is a joke. Trying to dance is a joke. Austin here was kind enough to help me with my dance steps at work. And people would walk by looking and like, what is going on? It's like, don't worry about it. Run along. We're not harming anybody. Like, people could not fathom that. It was was blowing their mind. Like, what's going on? Who cares? Mm -hmm. If you get nothing out else from this podcast it, there's just a couple of things like one check up on each other two your health is very important you need to put it first and three go after your goals who care like i i had people multiple people tell me hey that picture your artwork you need to change that because you know it's not a good picture of you well go start your own podcast <laughs> and then you can put whatever artwork you, you can get 
a Jackson Pollock painting and put it on there for all I care. It's like, that's not why I'm doing it. I know I'm not uh, George Clooney, right? But who is? Just him. And so I'm not worried about any of that. Like a lot of people want to give me, criticize me. I, I know I'm not very good at speaking. I know I'm a short guy. I know I'm bald. It's like, okay, that it doesn't matter. Like this is something I want to do. I'm going to do it however I want to do it. And everybody should have that mentality of whatever your goal is, go do it. Because people are always going to tell you, hey, don't do that. Why? Not because it's difficult. Because if you don't do it, then they don't feel like they're just sitting around wasting their lives. If everybody's just sitting around doing nothing, well, then I must be the norm. Yeah. And um, you bring up a good point about that because a lot of people have um, – what's – What's the term for it? It's a decision paralysis or something like that. But essentially the concept is you, you're too scared to start anything because you don't have a foolproof plan. So there's 10 different ways that you can skin the cat and you're trying to figure out which one's the perfect way. And, and you get stuck on that. You can research all day about all 10 different ways, but if you don't actually start it you're you're wasting your time and a lot of people use that as an excuse um a good example of this is me and my uh my brother-in-law we were fixing uh fixing my well in the back and we were looking into it looking into it and it turned around to us 30 minutes just talking about different ways we can run the line it's like okay well let's just stop talking about it and just pick one don't care which one let's just do it and I feel like that's something that getting out of the military and starting to make your own decisions, I think that's a big thing that people have to overcome. A lot of people outside the military really enjoy their life. But how often do you hear, oh, no, don't get out for the job security or you'll never find a job on the outside or... um you know, you have it made. All you got to do is show up and just do what you're told and the pay's good and all this other stuff. And the people who are always trying to convince you to stay in are the same people who are in and never been out. So it's, it's almost like crabs in a bucket, just pulling each other down. Just like if I make, if this guy stays, then that means, you know, that I have more, uh, gratification or more like a reason to stay. You know, if I could convince someone that it's, it's scary out there, then that fortifies my belief. And it's, it's just not the case. It's, it's different, but if you put in the work and if you want something and you go after it, you're going to get it. Yeah, definitely. So I, I've seen a couple of uh, different versions. I've seen the people where, like, well, I don't want to get out because I want to maximize my retirement. Mm -hmm. like, what do you, what do you, you're miserable in the military. You're at 22 years, but you want to go another four years of being miserable for a couple hundred bucks? Like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. And so I get it. Like it's, it is a little scary because I was stressed. I wasn't sure if I was going to find a job, like according to my timetable, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I did. But the other the other type that I see, and this is, you know, you could tell me whatever. That that's fine. Like you can make up whatever stories. I, I don't care. I'll, I'll listen to them, sure. But I, I there were quite a few people in my military career that were would tell me like, yeah, bro, I have no college. I really don't have any training. Just what they got got here in the army. But my boy, he's gonna hook me up. <laughs> I'm moving down to Florida. He's gonna pay me 150 thousand when I retire. I'm gonna show up three days a week, Tuesday through Thursday, from like 10 to 2, and then that's it. It's like I don't even really have to do anything. He's gonna give me an office. And I don't have to do anything. I just show up, man, because we're boys. No place on this planet is gonna pay you 150 thousand dollars to show up and do nothing. That's just insane. Mm-hmm. If you if you don't have a plan, that's all right. But just be on like. Trying to convince me that you, you're going to have this awesome life does nothing because the majority of the time, the people that were telling me that we weren't friends, we weren't friends, we weren't boys. And honestly, I just wanted to end the conversation as quickly as possible so I could be move along. <laughs> now, those same people, now if they needed help, by all means, contact me and we can see what we could do together. Get you in contact with somebody, get you some training, get you a job, get you something. But just be honest with yourself. None of us are perfect. You know, I used to joke that when I was going to get out, I was going to go to Bosley and get the uh, Steven Seagal, right? Yeah. Because if I got the Steven Seagal, <laughs> I, that's it. I'd be unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need it. Or maybe I do. I don't know. Maybe I'll grow the holster out and have the skullet going on, you know? Have the, what, what's that? The Yeah, the skullet, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, another thing that I just really hope, people take away from this is we see it all the time where, Oh, this dude never made it. Uh, this dude always put his family first. You know, he 20 years, E seven. Um, Lucas is a good example of it. You know, he's, he will always put his family first. He was almost like, you know, we used to call him, uh, you know, St. Lucas, you know, he's, the prime example of strong ethics, strong morals, family first. I mean, he's been with his wife, his entire military career. Like I'm sure they've had their ups and downs, but you know, they worked through it and, you know, um, strong values. But in order to, to make that jump to the next level, to make that E8 or like to move on or do whatever, he wasn't willing to sacrifice that family time and in an organization that is family first air quotes, you know, it's one or the other, if you're going to be successful and people don't realize how important that family is. So I took my family for granted forever. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, I was um, neglect neglectful to my wife, which, you know, that is a form of abuse, but no one really talks about that. You know, just because I have PTSD doesn't mean that when I come home, they're not walking on eggshells when I'm around. Um, I was an absentee parent. I changed maybe five diapers between both my kids. And from 
Monday to Friday, I would come home. They would be asleep. I would leave. They'd be asleep. Um, during the weekend, I, I think they call it like hypersomnia because of my depression. I would sleep 18 hours a day and just, you know, you run everything. And then I just come in like a bull in a China shop whenever someone messes up or doesn't do something to my standards and just freaks out, freaks out. And it is, um, I guess I had it, I had it in my head, but I'll come back to that. But I was essentially an absentee parent who was telling, um, how, like telling my wife how the house should run. Like who, who am I? Essentially I'm a guest in my house and I have no right to do that. And just taking a step back and just thinking like right now, the army don't give don't care about me, period. They are gone. Yet my wife is still standing here and still trying to recover from everything that I put her through. And I'm still trying to redeem myself. And it's people don't realize that your family will if you come out with your family, you are incredibly lucky. And that's something that needs to be cherished. So for one person uh, who, you know, had their up, ups and downs, is I, I don't think you really have to redeem yourself. Um, you know, you just try to be there for your family now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before I took over as first sergeant for that company, uh, that, that Christmas before I had like, I, I guess you could say like a nervous breakdown. I'm so glad I was on leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sad that I'm saying that, right? Like, oh man, I'm glad it happened when I was on leave and, <laughs> Not while I was there at work, uh, but I had a nervous breakdown and, you know, was able to talk to my, my kids and apologize for the way, because they were exactly the same way. My, I didn't realize my kids would text each other. It's like, is, is dad home? Is he mad? Which the answer to that was always yes and yes. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, that that broke my heart that my kids had to go through that. And mm-hmm. so... I can't take that time back, but I can just try to be a better person for them. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the biggest things is um, the built up resentment that it just forms within the family. You know, whenever you come home, you feel that heaviness and kids absorb that energy. And it's just, you, you can't like, I can't be mad at my wife for, um, being in Italy and enjoying Italy while I'm over here suffering. What, what, like realistically, what am I supposed to do? Drag her out there into the, into the field with me and make her suffer too. That's stupid. Like you can't control everything and everything doesn't need to be controlled. You know, kids are kids. They're going to be stupid. They're going to cause a, cause a fit in the store. Speaking of, they just let the dog out. <laughs> oh, this is an active puppy. <laughs> <laughs> and you are not getting a shout out either. Uh, 
for those of you who don't know, uh, we're at Austin's house, and Austin has like a little mini farm. Uh, I don't know how many chickens he has out here now, um, but it's pretty awesome. This this is it's like if uh, what's his name? Uh, what's the race car driver? Petty, Richard Petty. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's almost like if Richard Petty was starting out and bought a small small house, small farm. This is what it would look like with the you know a few animals and a garage with lifts in there, so you can do some. Which I still have yet to figure out why he has a lift a lift for a Toyota Prius. <laughs> Came with the house. So, uh, yeah, the guy uh, ran a body shop out of here. So, uh, he uh, he retired. He's off in Tennessee. And I use it. I use the lift. Uh, my old truck used to live on that lift. Every, every day, there was something wrong with that thing. But, yeah. <laughs> um, chickens over there, I think I... I honestly don't know how many I have. They, uh, we have, I think, two chickens sitting on eggs in there that just refuse to give them up. So maybe there'll be chicks in there. I'm not sure. But Nickel didn't make it, right? She didn't make it. Didn't make yeah, it. I think, uh, I think something got her. Maybe a raccoon or so. Yeah, but. So for those of you out there, Nickel is a, a chicken that Austin had that was attacked by what, a coyote? A, raccoon by some sort of large animal and took half of its skull yeah the the back part of her head was just bone and uh we uh we sprayed that was it that silver like nickel bandage whatever we sprayed it on her and nursed her back and she uh she had some mental mental issues but she she lived through that and then uh whatever it was i guess came back so it, it wasn't done with her but she uh she was an interesting bird. We had to we had to baby her, and she would only walk in circles, and it kind of uh reminds me of some of the people that I used to work with. So, and that's okay. This this little <laughs> little chicken, uh, Nickel, she she kept going on, right? Like uh, yep, she, she just quit, but she didn't. Yeah, she she just kept going, just happy as can be, and yeah, I uh I really tried to ground myself and bring myself back to you know local like what's what's going on around me and just try and be more aware so you know just come outside and feel the sun and hear the birds and listen to people when they're talking and actually absorb the information instead of just being me and and so you're your mental health and your mental clarity is just as important, if not more than your physical, you know? So that's, that's something I've really been trying to work on is just being present. It's, it's been very enjoyable. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Um, Sorry. I'm having technical difficulties here with this, uh, very old and ancient uh, computer I have here. <laughs> I got so used to your brother coming in and fixing everything for me on my computer that I've become pretty inept now. Yeah, I, uh, I miss that guy. He's a. We can't mention his name because he's super top secret doing things uh, on the other side of the planet, or I don't know, maybe 
some other solar system or something. I, I'm not sure what that kid's doing now, but he's doing good things for our country. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Austin, is there anything else um, you want to add for people out there? So can you tell me just a little bit about the whole, uh, how you got involved as being a teacher? Because this is interesting because I considered it and then quickly realized I could not do that because I would choke out some of the students. I, I'm, I can't work with teenagers. So um, this is it's a funny story. So I'm on terminal leave. I'm going through a rut. I'm just I, – I realized my life quickly became wake up watch YouTube, go to sleep, and just a downward spiral. And my wife, she noticed that I needed to get out, do something, and um, she signed me up for the PTA down the way at my kid's school, which is a small 300-person school, not even a mile down the street. So I was like, fine, yeah, I'll go. So I go over there in gym clothes and flip-flops, and I'm sitting down. And all these, all these middle-aged women are just balking about who wants to be the treasurer and who wants to deal with the taxes and the fundraising. And I'm just, I'm sitting here, just I don't want no responsibilities. My wife made me be here. This is, this is not. I I didn't come here for a job. I didn't. I don't want to be a part of this. I just I'll help you set up tables. I'll, you know, do whatever, and. It was at the very end of the meeting, the principal came in and she, best, best principal I've ever encountered. She's super energetic, knew everybody by name, just like one of those super happy, like ADD people. Um, And she comes in with all her energy and she's hopping around and just talking about how grateful she is. And um, I told him like, hey, you know, I, I do have a bachelor's degree in 3D modeling, animation, Photoshop, stuff like that. Like, I think it's game art and design or something. I can, I can help if you need t-shirts or they have like a big rock out in front of it. I said, I can go out there and paint it if you want to paint like certain things on it and all this stuff. And she just instantly turned to me and said, do you want a job? And I said, uh, would I, I didn't come here for a job. And she said, well, we need a, um, a STEM teacher we have these 3d printers. It's like an additional like resource, like art or PE or whatever. But we got these 3d printers. No one knows how to use it. Um, it'll be l- very low impact. You know, you come in, you show the kids some stuff and then you leave. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll help out. <laughs> and so I accidentally stumbled into a job at a PTA meeting and I, quickly realized that I had way too much free time in between classes. So the way it was scheduled was like Monday I had one class and I worked from like eight to 11 or something like I go up there and I sneeze and the day's over. So I was like, okay, well, while I'm here, you know, I'm only here for a few hours. I'm going to go help out. So I helped out like the librarian, um, super sweet lady, but we're in the era of Chromebooks for kids and stuff. And she's 
just was not prepared for the technical difficulties with computers. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'll help out here. I'll help out there. And I quickly realized that my workload was getting higher and higher just based on my reliability. So I was still maybe a two months removed from the military. So I was still in that mindset. Like I'm at work, I'm going to work. I can't sit still. If I sit still, I'm doing something wrong. And I get, I can't blame them for capitalizing on it. And I agreed to a lot of the stuff that they said, Hey, I need you to do this. need you to do that. So I was like, okay, you're paying me. Let's do it. And I hit the point to where I just felt trapped again. I was like, Oh man, I just, I just left a slave job for another slave job. What is going on here? And, uh, I realized the younger kids I was okay with, you know, younger kids are going to be dumb. Um, you know, they don't listen They're You can't tell a second grader what to do. They're going to do what they want to do. But, uh, once like the fourth or fifth grade, and this was the year after, you know, the COVID lockdowns and stuff. So in theory, everyone regressed. So like you got these fourth graders who can only read on like a first or second grade level. You're like, what is going on here? And I, I ended up seeing every kid in the school um, at least once a week doing, teaching them remedial math and doing um, all kinds of just miscellaneous things. And those kids, I just could not handle the, uh, the spike in uh, my adrenaline. So I got to a point where I was having like nine classes a day and it's just like, okay, I'm sitting here. Everything's calm. Everything's quiet. I'm hanging out. Boom. 45 minutes, just high impact, just kids yelling and screaming and calling each other names. And my stress could just could not handle it. And, uh, yeah, I quickly realized that teaching is one, they should be paid more, but two, it really has to be something that you're passionate about and you have to have patience because those kids, man, oh man, I love my kids, but I want to smack some other kids, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, you're the second person I talked to who said that they went and, well, you know, wanted to help out. So they went back to like the, their children's schools and then quickly realized, you know what? This, this isn't for me. Not so much. <laughs> And that's perfectly fine. Like we all want to, I found that there are a lot of us that get out that we want to help in some way, shape or form. Um, For me, and this is just my opinion is I don't know if we're suited to be teaching children or high schoolers uh, because I considered it, but I knew I would quickly tell them to go choke themselves, which you can't really tell if, eight-year-old, hey, you're stupid. Go choke yourself. (laughs) Um, So, you know, there's something else. So that's why I was looking for, like, some sort of instructional position as a, you know, like I said, I applied to be an associate professor um, because I would assume that in college they actually want to be there if they're paying that much money to be there, Mm -hmm. that I'm not going to get lip. And if I do, then I wouldn't feel bad about telling them to go choke themselves. Yeah, that's something I considered because it's um, especially on an online school because it's almost like easy money because you sit here. I've been going to school online for years, and I don't think I've had a conversation with my professors. Everything's structured out, 
And uh, I talked to someone who does it, and they get like a set amount of money per class that they teach. And it's just like, okay, I'm a grade papers based off this rubric and just keep going. But yeah, it's it is something that is really hard that I personally um, just can't do. My uh, uh, my mother in law, she was in the military for a while and she got out and she's a um, middle school teacher and she, she seems to like it. She's been doing it longer than a year. So, I mean, there must be something there, but uh, I, I think my way moving forward is going to be um, doing something with my hands, building carpentry and stuff like that. Um, I told you before I was, uh, I'm going to a general contracting program down the way and with all my free time, I noticed I was doing a lot of projects around the house. So I was like, I haven't, I've learned everything from YouTube. So I, I'd like to know if I'm doing this right. So I was like, you know what? I ain't got nothing to lose. I'll apply to this program over here. It's little community college. If I don't like it, I'll just quit. And I ended up really, really enjoying it. So, um, I think that's, gonna be my way of giving back so everyone's got their own path okay so we're almost running out of time here um not so much because i want to finish this but more because uh, my computer is about 20 years old and i'm surprised the batteries last this long um so before we uh head out is there anything you want to plug austin any uh businesses you're running maybe something a family member or friends running um no i i don't really think i got anything um you know um to anybody listening that i've encountered over my time you know i hope uh i hope everything's going well you know it's been awesome seeing you again and i'll uh anytime you need a guest i'll gladly gladly come on um you know thank you to my wife who's probably going to listen to this to make sure i didn't say anything wrong so uh thank you and i love you and uh shout out to uh my boy out there chip my uh my little chicken he's uh he thinks i'm his mom so uh me and him have a special bond Yeah, I see more and more people who have chickens. I, I thought about getting one. It's like, no, no, I'm not falling for that fat. I'm not going to have a chicken. Then I, somebody has to take care of it. I'm not. Although my granddaughter would love it, I'm not going to take care of a chicken. Um, but since you don't have anything uh, that you want to promote, we're going to uh, promote uh, Alpha Sierra training again. Um, if you, I know it's always odd. Like we talk about some pretty heavy stuff and you know talk about a shooting school but you know it's veteran owned and uh it's owned by a friend aaron sanchez and like i stated before um you know there's training at all levels there's a basic pistol concealed carry and advanced pistol um prices are reasonable and one thing i learned in the military is that there's a lot of hot dogging going on and maybe we don't like learn the best safest practices um So even if you're an experienced uh, gun owner, you might want to go out there. You might learn something new. Um, If you have a family member who's never shot before, definitely take them out there. Uh, 
you know, it's helping out veteran and reasonable prices for very good training. Um, I'd like to thank your kids uh, for eating these donuts because um, <laughs> looking at them, I'm just putting on like 10 pounds. Yeah. And uh, with that, you want to say thank you, everyone. Oh, we're going to have a, a mini 20-minute episode later on um, this week. It's going to go over. I received a lot of input from people about uh, keywords for resumes, um, the Wounded Warrior program, and just other small things that I want to talk about, um, but not in this session. So we'll have another like 20-minute, 20, 25-minute uh, 20, uh, episode. Again, we're trying to keep it at one episode a week, maybe two at the most, um, because I have things that I want to do and I want to get out and live my life and be outdoors and not confined to dark rooms anymore. <laughs> so with that, Austin, thank you for being on your, it's always great seeing you. Always great seeing my long lost son. <laughs> yeah. And anytime I'm, I'm here. <laughs> and with that, everybody be safe. Take care of yourself. Zot, zot, zot. Roll tide. Oh man, there's no stopping these ants. They're vicious.